Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Do you know I was supposed to preach this sermon four weeks ago? But for different reasons, it didn't happen. And I think God in His wisdom and in His knowledge knew that today was going to be the right day to hear from God and to hear from His Word. You know, it's easier to do something, isn't it, when we're motivated in the right way? We've got some kind of motivation, uh, like, you know, we want to lose weight to fit into that dress for the wedding, right? Um, We're motivated when we know we've got an exam coming up and we study hard because we know that there's a deadline. We might have a deadline at work of a project and it's got to be finished by a certain date. And so that motivates us to get going. A few weeks ago, George and Nicole arrived from Auckland and they're staying with us at the moment until they find a place of their own, which is awesome. But on the day they were arriving, we all had a really busy day in our house. And so in the morning, I'd strip the bed in the room and I'd put it in the washing machine and I got home about 4.30 and I called Tiko and I said, how far away are they? And he said, they're about 40 minutes away. They were driving from Picton down. I said, right, I've got 40 minutes to get this room in ship shape. So it looks like we were actually prepared for them. And I tell you, man, I made the bed, I vacuumed, I dusted, I just put the vacuum cleaner away in the cupboard. Bing bong! And there they were at the door. Awesome. It's easy to do things when you're motivated. Have you ever said, I just don't have the motivation to do that? Maybe it's the gym. I'm just, I'm just, I feel motivated to go today. I can't be bothered. Can't be bothered. I'll go if I feel like it. That's why we get a trainer at the gym, don't we? Come on, you can do it. You told me you were going to meet me at five. Stop being a slacker, get here. Easy to do things when we're motivated. Well, today we're on the last one another. Encourage one another. How motivated are you to do that? I want to tell you a story. In the temple of God, when it was still standing in Jerusalem, there was a most central place right at the back called the Holy of Holies. And it was the place where they believed God's presence resided. The Ark of the Covenant was in there. And in front of that was a huge set of curtains, a veil. It was blue and it was purple and it was scarlet. It was 18 metres high. I estimate maybe three times as high as this. Can you imagine? 18 metres high. And it was about nine metres wide, maybe a little wider than what we're seeing now. And it was a hand breadth and thickness. This was not some flimsy net curtain. This was a weighty curtain. When the priests had to move it for some reason, it took 300 people to lift it. That's how heavy it was. And it was woven together with twisted plaits, each plait consisting of 24 threads. These were no delicate coverings. This was a wall 
of fabric. And this veil separated the people from the temple's most holy place. And it had done so for centuries. Nick spoke about this a few weeks ago. Once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the priest, the high priest, only one person could go in there, the high priest, once a year. And he would pass through the curtain into the Holy of Holies. And he would complete the sacrifice for the sins of the people. He had bells on the bottom of his robe and a rope around his ankle. And if he went through the curtain and the bells stopped moving, the bells stopped sounding, they knew God is not pleased with the sacrifice. He did pull him out. That's why he had the rope on his leg. This was like, you imagine it, you know, credit card bills, right? And minimum payments. It was like a minimum payment. Every year the priest would go in and make a minimum payment. I'll just pay that much. It's not fully done, God, but once a year, minimum payment. Just pay it down. You know full well on your credit card bill, if you've got one, that if you just pay minimum payments, you will never pay the thing off because a minimum payment is not meant to help you pay it off. It's meant to keep you paying the interest. And that's what this was like, a minimum payment. Then, then, everything changed. Everything changed. Jesus, the sinless Son of God, sacrificed Himself to pay the price for the sins of everyone for all of time. And at the moment, at the moment of Jesus' death, an unbelievable miracle occurred. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed His last and the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. of God Himself. There was no way any human could have ripped that curtain. No way. It was 18 feet tall, nine feet wide, a handbreadth thick. There was no way. And I have this picture, this picture of God with a smile on His face. That moment that Jesus died, standing at the top of the curtain, His hands reaching down from heaven and going, no more. No more outside. We now have access, full access to God because of Jesus Christ, because of His death. We have the confidence to approach God. We're not out. We're in. We're not out. We're in. Yes. Oh, you can have a seat. My question then is, thanks team, you're awesome. Yeah, they do deserve a round of applause. My question then is, if we're in and we're not out, why are we living like we're on the outside of Jesus and God's presence? Why, When Jesus did everything to get us in, 
through the curtain. Why are we living out here? passage I'm going to talk to you about today is written to the Hebrews. No one knows who wrote the book, but it's written to a, a group of people who were bruised by adversity. Hello? It's written to a group of people who were persecuted. Hello? The arena, the Colosseum, the Roman Empire. It's written to a group of people whose faith was drifting who felt defeated, who attempted to quit, who may have already defected from the faith. And they needed boldness, and they needed courage, and they needed motivation to keep going. And so the writer of the Hebrews wrote this in verse 19 of chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest, who is Jesus, over the house of God, it's like God is our gym trainer right now. And going, since we now know the truth of that, since we know what Jesus did, since we have this new and living way, new because of what Jesus did, living because it's connected to the living Jesus. Someone said it this way, and I think it's going to come up on the screen. The new way is through a life to life. The new way is through a life to life. And so just like a gym trainer would come and go, come on, since you, you've got all the equipment, you've got everything you need, and I'm here, since you've got that, what now? Well, we're going to make a little salad this morning. You know I would never do a sermon without something. going to put that water away in case I spill it. Thanks. Jesus in this passage gives them, because they know all this stuff, now gives them three lettuces. Lettuce one. Verse 22. Any second now. There it is. Since we, since we, new and living way, since we have a high priest, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now that Jesus Christ has sacrificed himself for us and paid the price for sin, the veil is torn, the door is open, and God is saying, come in. Come close. Don't keep yourself distant. Jesus did everything to, to give you access so that you could be close. And the heart sprinkled is the effect of Jesus' blood on us, our inner being. And the sprinkling of water is the baptism, the outward cleansing. You know, for those of you that have children... You don't have children 
and then leave them out on the back porch and say, fend for yourselves, kids. I'll throw you a, a loaf of bread every now and then and maybe a blankie. All right, when you have children, they're in your house. They come in, you look after them. And it's that same picture with God. Remember, it's us who creates the distance. It's Jesus who built the bridge. Jesus hasn't left us with an unapproachable God. We are welcome into God's presence any day, any time through what Jesus did. The barrier is down. We don't have to go through a priest. You don't need Tiko or I to get you into God's presence. You don't even need the worship team to get you into God's presence. You can walk right in. Jesus is my Savior. I'm in. And I'm going in, and I'm going to be in God's presence. We don't have to work for it. You don't have to pay a ticket price. Nothing. Except ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. That's it. That's all you have to do. There might be people here this morning, you know that you are on the outside of the curtain. You think the curtain's still there. It's not. There might be people here this morning who go, yeah, I'm so distant from God. I used to know him, but I've walked away. I've distanced myself. There might be people here who've never taken that step of accepting Jesus and walking through with that access into God's presence. And right now, I know this is strange because we don't normally do this now, but I really feel the Holy Spirit say, now, Shelley, I'm going to give you the invitation right now. Everyone's eyes closed. If you know you're sitting here this morning and you've been far away from God, you've been distant from him, I want to tell you Jesus did everything to make it possible for you to come in. So if that's you this morning, either for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time, it doesn't matter. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Awesome. Because Jesus loves you. God loves you. He ripped that curtain for you. He didn't want separation anymore. Is there anyone else? I've seen one hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Let's pray together. We're going to pray with the people that have put their hands up this morning. And then we're going to celebrate. Father God, I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. I thank you that by his death, the veil was torn and I have access to a relationship with you. I believe Jesus is the Son of God and I believe he has a plan for my life. Help me to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. It's awesome. So, who receives that word this morning? God is close. You can come up close. Anyone? Anyone receive that word? Quick, put your hand up. You receive that word this morning. Marlene, the lettuce is yours. So, because of what Jesus did, let us come up close. The second lettuce. 
Verse 23, let's have a look. Let us hold on. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, for he who is promised is faithful. Remember, he was writing to a wavering group of believers. Their knees were knocking. They were under intense persecution. And because of the access that we have, he is saying because of a new and living way that Jesus provides, stand firm. Stand firm. Hold on to hope. Hebrews 6.1 says, hope is the anchor for our soul. This word unswervingly, I'm a bit of a word guru thing, majiggy. And I look at these words and I think, what does that mean? So I go back to the Greek and I look. Do you know what unswervingly means? No, you don't. So I'm going to tell you. It means without bending. Without bending. It means steady. It means unwavering. Yeah, Liz just did it. That's what it's like. And why do we do that? Because he who is promised is faithful. I mean, I know there are people here today that need to hear that. God is saying to you right now, whatever circumstance you're facing, stand firm, unswervingly, hold on to hope, because what God promised, He will do. I know for sure that our city needs to hear that. Hold on. God has... Does the enemy think He is really going to win this battle by doing what he's done in our city in the last few days. Does he really think he's going to get it? No, 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 no. Well, that should motivate us to love more and to serve more and to honor more and to encourage more because we know that God says in his word that God will have the final victory, not the enemy. God will stand on his head. God will deal with him and he will go back to the pits of hell where he belongs and that will be it. So because of what Jesus did, come up close and hold on. Who receives the hold on word today? Liz. And the final lettuce. I bought out Countdown's supply. No, I didn't. They still had 27 minutes, right? There's still more there if you want one for lunch. All right. The last lettuce, verse 23. Let us encourage one another. Next slide. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know, we've been studying neuroscience at school in the last few weeks, and I came across um, this, and I thought to myself, man, that is just so appropriate for what I'm going to be talking on. Neuroscience has now proved that brains are wired from birth to grow through connection with others. If you don't have the right connection with others up until the age of four, that can really damage your life. It can be fixed, but it's really hard. And from eight onwards, it's even harder. We are designed to be in relationship with one another. And the writer of the Hebrews says, let us consider. Let us consider. Consider means to fix your eyes on something. 
to, to, to have your mind fixed on it. A few weeks ago, I went to my niece's show. She was um, Beauty and the Beast. She was one of the three silly girls that kept falling in love with Gaston all the time. It was stupid. All right? But she was in the show. And so I went to see her. It was just in a little theatre at um, Rangiruru School. And um, I went there, and the other actors were all fine and dandy. But where were my eyes fixed? On her because she's my niece, and she was the one that I'd gone to see. So while I was listening and watching, I was watching her. I was seeing how she was acting and what she was doing to sing. And I think what the writer of Hebrews is saying to us is, rather than just, and it's what Tico said and what Pastor Issa said this morning, rather than just kind of strolling through life with our head down at our own stuff, We actually need to walk through life with our heads up, looking around us, seeing and considering what other people might actually be going through because I'm sorry to break it to you, but it's not all about you. If you don't know that already, it isn't. It's a a conversation I have with some of my students quite frequently. It's actually not about you. You're hurting me right now. Stop it. Okay? What if we looked around us and we saw someone who was hurting? We don't, we don't just walk past and go, oh, yeah, oh, oh. No? No. We stop. You okay? Is there anything I can do for you? What if we see something in someone else, a really incredible, you know, an admirable character quality? Do we just not say anything? Or do we encourage them about it and go, hey, I really, I really love the way you showed integrity in that situation. That was awesome. That's exactly what we want to see. What about a small note or gift you give to someone? Encourage them. You're doing a great job. This morning, we got an email from Caleb, our elder. On a day like today, you know, leadership is, is challenging. And we got a... a beautiful message from Caleb this morning, just encouraging us and just saying, hey, we're with you and, and you know, you're going to do a great job. And that was just fantastic. It was just what we needed at that time. You notice someone doing a great job and you say so. Hey, you're doing a great job on the coffees. You're doing a great job with what you're doing. When I was 12 years old, I got this card from my granddad It's kind of a bit all crinkled up. You probably can't even see it's real 70s design, which gives you a bit of a clue that I'm kind of old. But I got this card when I was 12 years old from my granddad. He's passed away now. He's partying with Jesus. But this is what he wrote. My nana signed down here, and granddad wrote this, and it's personal. Dear Shelley, 12 years old. A look in the mirror is now becoming interesting. I'm not sure what he meant by that. <laughs> but anyway. <clears throat> I'm pleased to know that the real values of a good life that mum and dad have taught you are also showing up well. This is the age some young people begin to turn to things that lead them away from God. We want the best for you, Shelley. Never get too old to be helped by those who love you very much. You'll soon, um, you will soon be taking part in youth days, listen and learn, watch the mirror, in a few short years, Dad may have to put it up higher for you. God bless you, Granddad. And I used to keep this under my jewellery box 
And one day, mum and one of her cleaning frenzies decided to throw it out. And I was, because it was special to me. She didn't know, but it was special to me. And I'd kind of, in a special place, hidden it. And so I made her go through the rubbish to find it. (laughs) That's why it's a bit crinkled up. But I keep it in the front of my Bible. And do you know that one piece of encouragement, that one word from my grandfather got me through my teenage years because I kept coming back to it. Listen and learn, Shelley. Listen and learn, Shelley. Don't do things that are going to turn you away from God. That one piece of encouragement, I believe, changed the direction of my life. What if your piece of encouragement could do that for someone else? Encouragement is a really interesting word. It's the Greek word parakaleo. And it means this. Can we flick? Yeah, there it is. Para means alongside, like a para organization. We would use that language today. Kaleo means to call. So when you put it together, it's to call alongside. That's what encourage means, to call alongside. And do you know it's actually the same Greek root word as the, Holy, as the word for the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit comes alongside us as our comforter and our encourager. And we do the same. When we come alongside someone else, we do the same thing. Someone said it this way. We are never more like the Holy Spirit than when we encourage and care for those who are down, needy, discouraged, or forgotten. We are never more like the Holy Spirit. And what a word that is for us right now. What a word that is for us right now, to come alongside right now in our city, those who are hurting. Like Tico said, not just for the short term, but for the long term. And it's not about, please, man, it is not about backing up your theological truck, and unloading it on anyone that'll listen. It's not. There is a time and place for those discussions. But in times like this, and often you will find for people either inside the church or out of it, encouragement is just being there. Encouragement is just giving a hug. Encouragement is giving some form of a meal or some money or whatever it is you need to do or just listening. It's not to smash them over the head with the Bible. (laughs) Did Jesus ever do that? Ever? He had encounters with people and he showed love and compassion and encouragement and then let the Holy Spirit do the rest. And when a conversation needed to be had, my goodness, he had it. But at the right time. So my question is... um, Who encouraged you? Who is encouraging you right now? Who believes in you? Who's alongside you? Who are you alongside? Because we all need it. We all need encouragement, don't we? We all need it. And I mean... I was talking to my principal the other day, and we were talking about, you know, as teachers at the end of the year, we get all these lovely cards from kids saying, oh, you're amazing, Mrs. T, and you've really changed my life, and all that sort of stuff, and that's awesome, but you know, he said something to me, and I thought, this is sad. He said, you know what, Shelley, principals don't get a lot of that stuff. 
true, eh? And there are times I know for you, you'll need encouragement from the people around you, from your staff, from families. We all need it. And leaders particularly, leaders, we're not very good at saying we need encouragement. We just kind of hide it because we're leaders and we just go, come on, we just got to keep going. But leaders need masses of it. So how could you encourage someone else? Consider deliberate strong commitment to lift someone else's spirit up. It doesn't matter how influential you are, doesn't matter how secure you are, doesn't matter how mature you are, everybody needs encouragement. I love the story of this little boy who said to his dad, Dad, let's go play darts. I'll throw and you say, wonderful. <laughs> love it. Love, love, love. I want to give you a challenge this morning. There is an area in our church that I believe right now needs some people to come and stand alongside and encourage, and that's kids' church. Up there now in those top rooms are a group of committed leaders who Sunday in and Sunday out teach your children about God and encourage their faith. And I want to challenge you right now There is an opportunity for you to come and get alongside those leaders and get alongside those kids and do something significant for the kingdom. You don't know. If you're not there, you might be the one, like my grandfather, that changes the course of their life. And so you might think, Shelley, this is very shameless in the middle of your sermon doing a plug for Kids Church, but I don't care. Because, do you think if Jesus came into this church right now, where do you think he would go first? It wouldn't be in here, sorry. He would go to the kids straight away. That's what God, where God's heart is. And so my challenge to you is, if you are not serving somewhere else, or you feel that you have the capacity, would you come and serve with us in kids' church? I'm asking for a once-a-month commitment. One service every month. That is doable. That is not going to break your timetable. And I'm telling you, you will get such reward. You'll be supported. We give you everything you need. But you might be the one who develops a connection with a kid and changes their lives. And if you're not there to get alongside them, who's going to be there? So come and see me afterwards. I'm happy to sign up as many people as I can. Hey, um, who received that third word of encouraging one another? Now, So, last question. Why are you here in church today? Why are you here? Give me some answers. Why are you here? That's not a rhetorical question. You serve God. Great. Why are you here? To be together, to worship, community, fellowship. Be the family to praise God. Yep. To worship God, to praise his name, to meet with him, to hear preaching. But I'm going to tell you right now, if that's all you come to church for, 
you're only 50% of the way there. You're only halfway. It's one of the two main reasons that we come together. We need an encounter with God for sure, but we also need encouragement. We also need to encourage each other. The other 50% is that, that to, to stimulate and to spur one another on and to encourage each other. Have a look at verse 25. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. There's a negative and a positive here. Not giving up meeting together. In other words, I feel like it if I go. If I feel like it, I'll go. If I don't, I won't. If it's a certain speaker, I'll go because I want to hear them. But if it's just, you know, Tico or Shelley, oh, they're on all the time. It's just convenience. Don't give up meeting together. Make it a commitment that you're here every Sunday, bar the fact you're spewing your guts out in the bottom of a toilet. Come. If you get this, to not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, if you get this next bit, this will revolutionise your church attendance. Because you don't come to church just for you. You come to church for everybody else as well. As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Don't give up meeting together because when you meet together, you encourage each other. So don't give up doing that. Keep doing that. What if your presence here today was a way that God was going to use to encourage someone else? And if you're not here, who does He use? Now He can go and find someone else, but what if it's you and you're not here? When you come into this place, God, who would you want me to encourage today? Open my eyes. What if someone is dangerously near the edge of walking away from their faith, from this church, and just giving up the whole thing, especially right now when you hear a lot of defeatist talk? What if they're right there and God says to you, go and encourage that person, and you do it, and you fulfill God's purpose? What if you're not here? What happens then? We can be one of two things. Can I get, Tico, do you want to come and help me with this? God um, showed me this picture a few years ago and, and um, it has stuck with me and changed the way I thought about church. So I've got two bags here. I've got a bag of marbles and I've got a bag of grapes. I want you to listen carefully to this. Every congregation has the choice to be one of two things. You can choose to be a bag of marbles, single units that don't affect each other except in collision. On Sunday morning, you can choose to go to church or you can sleep in. Who really cares if there are 192 or 193 marbles in the bag, if you're marbles? Or you could choose to be a bag of grapes. The juice begins to mingle. And there's no way to extricate yourself from everybody else, even if you tried. 
each of us is a part of all. What did our Prime Minister say this week? They are us. You are us. We are us. Without encouragement as a church, we will drift. Without encouragement as a church, we will harden. We will become like this. Without encouragement as a church, we will lose what it is to be a family of one another's. And we're already on the journey, if you don't know it already, on this church of stop playing marbles. We're already on that journey. And man, I want to tell you now, we are not afraid of a little bit of ooze. Because all the one another's are going to require a little bit of ooze. As we love one another, as we serve one another, as we honour one another, as we encourage one another. The last part of that verse says, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Just like Jesus came that first time and separated that God, separated that curtain and made a way, He is coming again with a plan and with a purpose. Another motivation. Encouragement and action will transform a superficial fellowship into a family. And it's not just limited to us in here, encouragement. It's for everyone, everywhere, everywhere you go. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.